All right, ladies and gentlemen, comrades and friends, uh, we are gathered here today to talk about the JRE appearance. So the reason that I thought this would be good to do as an episode is that, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, the appearance and people's reactions to it. And I think that when you have a chance to talk to millions of people, like going on Joe Rogan, um, then I think it is a valuable thing to get, you know, feedback, positive, negative criticisms, reasonably politely phrased enunciations, uh, and all of that stuff, right? I mean, like to, that. I think it's good for people to be able to to talk back and and for you to then interact with their thoughts. Uh, but the question is, like, what's the best way to to do that? Right. So uh, obviously, the worst way to do that is Twitter, uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, one of which is that I think you know, I think over the course of the last four years, I've like muted like about eight hundred of the uh, most annoying leftists on Twitter, uh, who are most likely to be the most fiercely critical of stuff that uh, that I said on the show. Uh, but even beyond that, just because if you're doing 280 character tweets in an environment that really rewards um, boiling things down to a sort of pithy, like, um, own, right? You know, that that's, that's what it really encourages, you know, the, like, kind of, you know, snide humor and... Um, and sort of boiling everything down to like the sharpest possible edge uh, in order to uh, in order to be an effective tweet, and you know that's you know in terms of any thoughts that people might have uh, about the conversation, I think that that's like the least useful way to do it. Um, and so I haven't engaged that much on Twitter, but I think something like this it could actually be really good. So then we'll you know hang up on that call and, and edit it out of the, uh, of the published version. Um, whether that is somebody who, you know, is a, uh, is a leftist who doesn't like the fact that in the second half of the interview, I talked about some of my criticisms of the left or whether that's somebody who's like a, you know, right winger who listens to Joe Rogan because he'll have on right wing guests and has kind of a kill the commie reaction to some of the things that I said, especially in the first half, which I've also seen some of on Twitter uh, but I don't actually think that's probably going to happen. I think that what's more likely to happen is that people, even people who might be very critical of some of the things that I said on the show, are probably going to give a much better version here, where we're actually talking to each other, we're hearing each other's voices. Uh, because at least so far, right, the couple months that I've been doing Colin, that's been uh, that's been my experience, right? Like that people don't tend to just call in with like swaggering denunciations because uh, when you're actually talking to somebody and not tweeting at them, you usually don't do that. Right. I mean, it, I think it takes an unusual personality type to want to do that in those circumstances, which doesn't mean of course that people can't or shouldn't or don't um, make criticisms, sometimes even sharp criticisms, but I think it's going to be a more useful version in this format. So um, if uh, again, the entire point of the exercise is for you guys to call in and have your say. Give me your feedback, positive, negative, neutral, a little bit of each. Uh, so uh, if you want to say something, get in queue, and I will start taking questions. Uh, we have our first call, so let's take 
Scott, are you with us, Scott? Hey, can you hear me? Yep. I feel like that's the new what's up in the, uh, the Zoom era. <laughs> um, so I'm sorry I just got here, and I also have not had a chance to uh, do your episode. I'm right. planning on watching it today. But my question is kind of sure. related to the sure. criticism of Rogan as a yeah. grifter. Uh, sorry, what was the last word? As a grifter. As a grifter. Like, okay. As, yep. As someone who's you know, yeah. yeah. So my my sense of him is that he's more of a griftee than a grifter. Uh-huh. And that he generally, you know, whoever is in front of him, he will take as arguing good, good faith, and will will provide him provide the speaker with a certain amount of respect. It's not always the case, but that's my sense of him. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I yeah. think that's, I think that's right. I think that he, I think he does. I mean, my, again, I've, I've talked to the man for three hours once. Um, otherwise what I have to go on is, you know, probably the same thing that you do, right. You know, <laughs> like I've having, you know, uh, seen or listened to some previous episodes or, you know, in clips of previous episodes, and there are many people in the world who've who've done more of that than I have. But uh, from what I have, yeah, that's that's my sense. I think he does tend to um, to give whoever he's talking to the assumption that they're saying whatever they're saying on good faith. I think that when he does feel like he's been burned by that, right? You know that like he he thinks somebody was 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 lying to him. Um, you know, rightly or wrongly comes to that conclusion after an episode. I mean, like, certainly he sounds like super disappointed by it right in a way that would be, you know, in a way that would only really make sense if, if you were sort of granting everybody that assumption of, um, of good faith. And, and I, and I think, I mean, um, oh, we had another call, but it got lost. But anyway, I, I think that what I would, what I would just say about that is that, um, I guess two things, one general and the other specific to Rogan. So the general thing is that I think that the left has a really bad habit of making like grifter the uh, the default, like this sort of default accusation about people we don't like, you know, yeah. that everybody, everybody's a grifter. And, you know, I'm sure I have contributed to that in the past, you know, <laughs> since it's a it's a word people use enough, I'm sure, you know, it's it's passed my lips without very much thought before too. But, like, I don't think it's particularly accurate or particularly useful for the most part. Now, that's not to say that actual grifters don't exist. They certainly do, right? That the, um, I, I think, like, you know, Dave Rubin, right? I mean, that's a that's a very, you know, I mean, I, I think, I mean, that guy strikes me as a grifter, right? You know, that uh, uh, he, you know, that seems to be, that feels to be more like market positioning than, the, than like, the result of, of anything that's that's deeply held, uh, I mean, Milo Yiannopoulos, I think, is like a is is like a full on like going from town to town selling monorails grifter. Uh, he has you know the way that he's since you know since the um, mainstream right and even kind of the alt light dropped him. You know the the way that he's sort of drifted into these sort of weird Catholic fundamentalist circles uh, really feels to me like he's just decided it's like okay, who will still have me? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's got like the 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 big board up with like all the different possible ways he could reposition himself, and that's the one he picked. So, yeah. so grif- grifters definitely exist, 
But I actually don't think that most public figures who disagree with us are actually grifters. I think that I think that most people who are out there publicly advocating, you know, conservative positions are actually conservatives. I think that um, I, I think that the assumption that they aren't arises for this kind of weird myopic view that it's so obvious to us that we're right, that we have a hard time remembering that it's not obvious to everybody else, which it's not right. Cause only a minority of people are leftists, you know, so uh, it pretty much can't be obvious to everybody else or else, you know, the country would look very different. And, and so I, I do think like, look, I mean, just, just to pick an example of somebody I obviously strongly dislike, right. Um, I, I don't think, Ben Shapiro is pretending, right? I I think he's saying exactly what he thinks. No, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's pretending. I I think that he, um, I I think he's extremely foolish, right? You know, but I I think, um, but I don't think he's like pretending to be a conservative. I mean, I I don't I don't oh, see right. you know I don't see any reason to think that, right? Like there might be individual things where he's like been embarrassed by something and he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to admit it, whatever. I think a lot of people are prone to that, you know, so uh, <laughs> I'm not saying he, you know, but like, I think that like his sort of core right wing view of the world is, is exactly it. Right. And, um, and there is, and there is even a weird thing that we do where like, on the one hand, we want to say everybody's a, a, a grifter. And on the other hand, we want to say that everybody's a fascist. It's like, okay, well, which one, right? Are you, are you secretly hiding even worse views? Right. Or are you pretending to, <laughs> disagree with us in the first place uh so that's like the general comment i'm specifically joe rogan though like i think that i think rogan is strikes me again i mean i obviously don't know him very well i've had one conversation with him ever but like uh but based on that and based on you know based on just what i've seen from him or heard from in the past I actually think Joe Rogan is like wildly sincere, you know, that they add uh, in a way that is very much like, um, you know, I've known a lot of guys in real life who, you know, who remind to be a lot of Joe Rogan, right? Like that, that's, that's not a, that's a very recognizable type and uh, people who, you know, might like give credence to things that seem ridiculous to me sometimes, but, you know, but are also like very open-minded and like, if you, if you, you know, come at them the right way, you know, like they might actually be like, oh yeah, no man, that's a really good point, whatever. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I think, I think he's, I actually think he's kind of the last person I, I would accuse of that. Right. Like, cause, and it's, cause it just seems like, yeah, he has, you know, he has like political reactions to things and, and he, you know, he says exactly what he thinks. And sometimes that's like, exactly what we want sometimes it's exactly the opposite of what we want sometimes it's sort of you know in between uh and you know he i i certainly think he he's to um you know i certainly have some some big disagreements about um you know just in terms of like you know which experts you should listen to on certain things and you know and how you should go about trying to figure out what's true um you know there was like that wasn't really the point. That wasn't what I was there to do, but that was definitely touched on uh, in, uh, in that interview. But like, again, I think those are, you know, those criticisms that I would make are things that definitely arise from, you know, just kind of trying to, to figure out what's, what's true about the world and sometimes not doing it the way that I would want. I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts before we move on to the next caller? Um, yeah, just kind of that. Uh, yeah. I feel like, 
to be a grifter, you need to have some sort of agenda or, or you know, hidden agenda that you're right. trying to to subtle about. And I think that, you know, being susceptible to, you know, sophistry doesn't make you a, you know, a bad person or we're all yeah, fine right. to do that. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um and I think definitely, I mean, look, in the particular context of that, of, you know, that conversation, for sure, it's, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious if you listen to it that, like, Joe's only agenda is to kind of, like, hit on things that, you know, maybe seem interesting to him. Like, I, you know, he has far less of an agenda in that conversation than I do, right? You know, that, like, I think it's, I think it's, like, I hope, right, it's pretty clear to anybody who listens that, like, my my agenda that conversation was to, well, A, like not seem like, you know, um, uh, you know, was, was to seem like friendly and appealing, but, you know, in the course of doing so, but B, to take every possible opportunity to, you know, kind of direct the conversation to the stuff that matters most to me, right? Which is, which is uh, redistributive and, you know, socialist uh, policies. So, you know, it's not exactly a you know, well-hidden agenda, right? But, but that was... Okay. You know that was definitely that was definitely the agenda. Not accusing I, you of being a grifter. <laughs> you know, and I and I think he's and I think he's def, you know, whereas and like I, you know, I think that uh, I think he was, I mean, I think he was just kind of talking, which is what he does. I mean, like I think that's part of why the show is so wildly successful that it's somebody who is doing this this very smooth version of what like a lot of people do all the time, just like sitting around a bar or something, you know, like just, just kind of having this, you know, casual fun conversation. And so, which is something lots of people, you know, lots of people like to, uh, like to listen to. So I guess it makes sense, but uh, thank you so much for the call. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm going to listen to the episode today. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Um, Let me just, okay. Let's take Antonio. Uh, Can you hear me? Uh-huh. Oh, uh huh. Well, I, I I listened to it on uh, Friday, I think it was, and yeah, I was I was pretty impressed. Uh, not just the the message you put out, but also the prioritization, because there were points at which he said things that seemed like they would take you down potential rabbit holes. And you know, when he uh, plugged Jordan Peterson, yeah, you, right. You, you squirmed about as much as I think any any of us would have done. But I, I'm I'm curious, you know, how you decide. You know which things to uh, which things to sort of challenge him on, and which things to sort of like you know let it go in the interest of you know the flow. Of con- yeah, I mean pretty much what I just said uh, about the things that I, I wanted to focus on. Like, uh, I mean, I actually, yeah, I, I mean, what I wanted more than anything was to use the time that I had on that platform to, you know, make, you know, make appeals for the kind of like broad leftist policies uh, that, that I care the most about. Right. That that's, I mean, I kind of decided as soon as I got the invitation that that's, that that would be the way of using it that, you know, that, that I'd be happiest with. And so, yeah, when he brought up Jordan Peterson, I'm, I'm, I don't know. (laughs) Actually, I guess I'd have to watch that part to see, but I would be, I would be very unsurprised if it was obvious on my face, right? You know, like how how I was uh, how I was feeling at that moment, right? Because like obviously my 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 dislike of Jordan Peterson is is uh, well known, right? 
Uh, I, I've, I've written a lot about Jordan Peterson. I, I, I have, you know, my, um, you know, I've, I've devoted a lot of time in my life to criticisms of Jordan Peterson. Uh, but it also never even really occurred to me to derail the conversation into here's exactly why Jordan Peterson is bad. Uh, not just because like the flow of the conversation, it would have been like a weird rabbit hole to go down at that point. Cause by the time he'd like got into the actual point that he was introducing Jordan Peterson to make, you know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to say something else, but also, also because I think that doing that, which is, I suspect how a lot of lefties would have approached this would, you know, would have been really unhelpful. In other words, doing the sort of making, like pausing the conversation every time the name of a figure that, you know, that we're, you know, correctly very critical of comes up to like argue about whether that person is like good or bad. Uh, and I, I think that would have been really unhelpful because, um, I mean, if the conversation was just about that, right. If it was like, you know, email from the booker, you know, Joe Rogan's interested. If you want to come on and talk about Jordan, you know, Jordan Peterson, like I would have taken that invitation. Uh, and you know, I don't want to spend three hours arguing about Jordan Peterson. And, you know, that's less time certainly that I've done spent on that subject in the past. But I guess to me, I don't really see the strategic value of that. Like if, um, of like, just like making it about that otherwise, because the, the thing, like the main thing that I wanted to do was present the image of the left that I want to present to normies. In other words, really emphasize uh, the the bread and butter economic issues, which are, I think, the place where, you know, where our program is like going to be most appealing uh, to to the most people. And for a variety of reasons, I just I just think that's the strategic focus that makes sense. And um and to um, and just this and just the sort of general view of the world that goes with that, right? So, like when um, you know, like when the trans athletes thing came up, right? That's another example. I know that's one where some people, you know, were upset that I hadn't, you know, researched that issue more in advance. Uh, would all also is a little strange because that's, you know, <laughs> that's not at all something that was like, hey, do you want to come on the show and talk about trans athletes? That one I would have just said no. Right, because I think there are about a million people who would do better at that than I would, and I, I just don't know what the point of me doing it would be. Uh, but I, I also don't think it's a bad thing that I think, right? Like, you know, if other people experience this part differently, they can certainly let me know when they call in. But I think what I managed to get across in that section was a, um, okay, we could argue about the sort of messy edge cases uh, where there are real ambiguities, but it's very, very important that, you know, that. As, as a general thing, you know, we have anti-discrimination laws and total recognition and total equality uh, for for trans people, uh, which which I did get them to enthusiastically, you know, agree to. Uh, and uh, and B uh, that whatever the rules exactly should be, you know, like like we shouldn't be cruel about this and want to just completely exclude people. And C. I also don't pay very much attention to like the shit that people are getting, you know, worked up about it, you know, in a sort of uh day-to-day basis on this. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the hormone requirements should be. I don't know. What do you think? And then let's move on. Right. You know, like that, like that actually seems like a good sort of message to get across there. And I think to go back to your question, right. When Jordan Peterson came up um, and I think probably if I'd been doing this interview a few years ago, 
I would not have been able to help myself. I would have been like, you know, here, here's, here's 10 minutes about why Jordan Peterson was wrong about everything. But I'm glad I didn't because the point that was specifically being made when he brought up Jordan Peterson was about religion and where I wanted to go with that, right, with the general subject about religion was essentially the against the web point about religion. You know, for people who've read that book, uh, Michael Brooks's book, uh, at the at the end, right, that this sort of pluralist cosmopolitan view that you know I don't really care that much. You know, I mean, if we're arguing about philosophy, we can do that. I enjoy doing that, but like for political purposes, I don't really care very much what somebody's metaphysical views are, as long as they have, you know, sort of converge with me on a basic set of values. And so, I, I think it's probably. So I, I think I'm happy, looking back on it, that I did sort of keep it there, right? That they, that like, because I think that sort of general programmatic thing, like, hey, we want a way more equal society, you know, in terms of redistributing resources and how economic power works, and the same moral principles lead us to want to, you know, things like non-discrimination and equal rights for everybody. And I'm happy to welcome anybody into the tent who, you know, agrees with all that and doesn't want to do things like ban abortion or put gay people back in the closet. Like, I think I think just building that just sort of general narrative about what the left is and why, you know, why it's good is, I do think is more important than like doing, you know, going into all of the things I've said on many occasions about how bad Jordan Peterson is. Like, so generally my approach to that was anytime like a specific like named figure came up. Um like some like right-wing commentator. Uh, I didn't really go into a whole thing about what was wrong with that person with one exception, right? Which is what Andy, you know, Andy know because, because I brought him up right as part of a direct answer to a question about the parts of the book people gotten mad about. And I figured, okay, if I'm going to bring him up, I actually should talk about like how I think he's really bad, you know, <laughs> uh, but like <laughs> other I mean, What's like, that? You, you, brought, you, brought, you brought up what happened to him, but you didn't really, you know, take, you didn't really, you know, uh, go into that much detail, just specifically talking about, like, going on and on about how the many ways in which he's horrible. You just sort of mentioned generally, you know, how he was horrible, but, you know, stuck to the point. I thought, I mean, like, I thought, I think, like, your, your answer, I guess your answer about Andy No was consistent with your generally wanting to not veer too much off. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I hope that's right. That they have, that, like... I did give like one example of like a dishonest article that he'd he'd written, although even that was kind of a response to a question, right? You know, otherwise, um, otherwise it was just like, look, I think he's horrible, but you know, and like you know, you shouldn't beat up people just because they're horrible, right? You know, that that's uh, that's not a good that's not a good that's not a good uh, path to go down. Uh, like I actually think Pascal, like I was yesterday, I was on, this is revolution talking about this and Pascal Robert put it like really cleanly. And if, in retrospect, I sort of wish I'd just said this cause, cause this is such a, a nice pithy way to say this, right. Which is, yeah, if somebody lays hands on me, then vile, you know, then like violent response is justified if they don't, it's not right. And, and I think that anybody can understand that. And that's, you know, and that's the, and that's the only point I was making with that thing. But also, I also, I think like, yeah. I mean, he was going to ask, like, what parts of the book people got mad about. And so I was going to answer and, and, like, explain some of the context and what my argument was. But even there, I didn't really want to dwell on it that much because, I mean, I think if he never asked what, what are the parts of the book that people got most upset about, 
I think it's probably pretty obvious that I would have been very happy to just spend three hours talking about Medicare for all. Or at least I hope that that was obvious, you know, to anybody, uh, anybody who's <laughs> yeah, watching it. It was. Okay. Well, that's good. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, brother. Let's take uh, Gabe. Gabe, are you with us? Hey, Ben. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good. Um, loved uh, loved uh, the Rogan uh, uh, podcast. I thought you did a great job. I have um, just like strictly sure. low. I just have uh, strictly lowbrow um, <laughs> palace entry questions for you that I'm not ashamed <laughs> to ask. So, um, sure, sure. I'm going to take this opportunity to do that. No promises that um, I'll answer all of them, but, but fire away. All right, that's fair enough. So, uh, I guess, I guess the first uh, question is, you know, I uh, I was sort of stunned at his apparent familiarity with Michael Brooks, and um, yeah, and I, I think I'm like, um, uh, was thinking the that whole time, like, yeah, Ben must be sort of stunned by this, but it also like made me think, like, well, if, okay, if he's familiar with him on this sort of like level like you know does that mean he's seen like the iconic like uh dave rubin videos <laughs> like does it mean he's seen like you know because i, I actually of, i actually you know, do suspect, that, yeah yeah if i had to guess i'm actually almost sure that that's one of the ones he's seen um and and i mean like my reason for thinking that is that like the one time that before you know wednesday that I, I'm ever aware of him him mentioning Michael was definitely back when he didn't really know who he was. I mean, he famously got his last name wrong. Uh, you know, he he said Michael Roberts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and he like apologized on Twitter. You know, it's like so. You know, it's like sorry at Michael Brooks. You know, but uh, so I I so I'm fairly sure that's the first time that Michael was ever on his radar again. He like literally didn't know who he was at that time, and. Uh, I don't remember if he followed him on Twitter after that or not. Uh, I mean, I feel like he might have, but maybe not. I, I just don't remember. But the, um, but, and I think that was in the context of talking about the Majority Report doing videos making fun of Dave Rubin, and and I think there's some context that suggests that like his first reaction to that was to like be like, oh, they're bullying him, right? You know, like like, like they're, they're being... Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they're being too mean to him, which which is like, you know, a very, you know, a very Joe Rogan reaction, right? I mean, like he, that's, that's, uh, that's very, that's very in character for all concerned, right? You know, but then I also think there's some evidence that he might have thought about it more later and, and decided that there's something to it because, right. uh, you know, because like not that long after that, he... Like Dave Rubin was talking, you know, I don't know. It was, I guess it was like months probably, but like at some point after that and not like super duper long after it, um, Dave Rubin was was complaining about how, you know, he had made many attempts to get back on Joe Rogan and like, and he was just being stonewalled and, and Rogan made this, yeah, com yeah. this comment on air where he didn't name Rubin, but really felt like he was talking about him where he basically like, he didn't use the word, but he basically called him a grifter. Uh, that like he, he said that, <laughs> uh, you know, he said that he's happy to have, 
you know, he, you know, he said he's happy to have like a range of people who he might disagree with about all sorts of things to come out and talk to it. But if it feels like you shifted politically, just, just as like a marketing move, basically, like, I don't remember his exact words, but that was the gist of it. Then he's not going to talk to you. Uh, so, uh, so I, I think he might've, I think he might've come to the conclusion that he was right. Right. So, but yeah. Sorry. you were Yeah. Saying, when you like, when one of the first things that you brought up, um, uh, with him was like the post office as an example. Yes. And in, in my head, I was like, I'm wonder if he's like tying the knot here to like, to make this connection because that is the famous like Dave Rubin like <laughs> moment where, you know, that reveals like where G. Joe Rogan's able to like unravel the whole like libertarian, um, you know, um, argument. Um, so yeah. I thought that was kind of funny that that was like one of the first things you brought up. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that was even consciously on my mind when I brought it up. I think it was probably more, probably what was more on my mind was the debate with Charlie Kirk last fall where like Kirk was like deriding the post office so much. And I was like, right, right, conservatives right. always say this shit, whatever. But I mean, like that again, probably part of why I got like so pissed at Kirk for saying that, you know, is, uh, you know, is because of, of that exact segment. Although mostly it's probably listed to Paul Prescott talk about the post office over the years, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, so, so just to go back to your original question about that, despite all of the stuff that I just mentioned, which is like all stuff that like since Wednesday, I've like thought back to it. I was like, okay, I guess there was those like very limited previous things. Right. So I guess it makes sense. But like in the moment I was stunned by it. Right. I, I did not see that coming whatsoever. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think what was really striking about it was that like, it's one, it's one thing if somebody like, you know, mentions their dead friend. You might like just to be nice. You might say something about them and like not, and you might, you know, and you might make it sound like you're more familiar than you were just, just to like, just to be nice, right. Just to be complimentary about things, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but I did not get the sense that he was doing that. I actually, I actually felt like what he said was enough to establish that, you know, he was at least somewhat familiar with his work. I mean, like he brought up the impression. Yeah. That's the giveaway was, yeah, when he said, because I was wondering the same thing. And then when he said that he was funny and then elaborated on that point by saying, you know, his, that his impressions were funny. I was like, oh, he, uh, you know, yeah, he yeah. Definitely he's, he's definitely watched some videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No question. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he, and he even did the thing where he was like, you know, he was so, you know, like he was talking about how Michael was so smart and, you know, and, 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 you know, did such a good job of defending his political views and he was, yeah. and, and, and there was a kind of funny moment where he was like, and he was even, you know, generally pretty, you know, fair or kind or whatever word he used, you know, uh, when, when talking yeah. about people he disagreed yeah. with. But there was like a little, a little just microscopic hesitation when he said that. It was like, okay, so, you know, <laughs> that, that, that too tells me that you've watched some of the videos. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, it gave you a great, like, way to, like, try to inch him towards your the argument that you make in the book which is that like you know he taught you how important it is to uh you know make uh, the presentation of the issues like likable and you know so that was uh you know that was cool but um i actually i i thought that was a really 
great moment like in the podcast it blew me away but i just thought and, and it also i think showed that joe rogan has much more exposure to leftist content than i ever would have given him credit for so yeah no that's that that is uh that is for sure and, and also actually if i had said because like i'd use cornell west as an example and it was if it hadn't sort of gone off in the michael direction it it seemed like he was all set to like do five minutes on Cordo West, um, which yeah, yeah absolutely yeah which would which would make sense right yeah he, he, yeah yeah he's had him on the show I thought that was smart too that you brought up Cordo West because it's like okay well that's obviously we know it's going to be a slam dunk because Joe Rogan's had him on the show had a great conversation with him likes him so yeah um, and, and, yeah, and I remember that, he, that he he tweeted out at the time that it was like one of the best episodes he'd ever done so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I was, uh, he was really confused by the postal banking thing. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I was like, he's too, he's too far gone with this one to hold him, hold his hand through the concept. But yeah, I was, uh, he was, uh, really confused by that. But yeah, no, it, right. Which, which is funny, right? Because like that, that is like, that is like a not like super, like, um, I mean, that's. I mean, that's something that's, like, on one level, that's, like, just, like, a very basic kind of social democratic thing. Uh, but on another level, that is also something that, like, you know, probably, to be honest, most Americans would have about the reaction that he had, right? Like, which is, like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. Is it bank at the post office? What, what, yeah. Why would you do that, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. He's like, yeah, he's like all worried about the transfer uh, money transfers getting lost in the mail. <laughs> that uh, was hysterical. But um and then my other question is yep. um so like I guess uh and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but like how sure. did this, he just called he just called you out of the blue? Like how do you think this came about? Uh I am not a hundred percent sure how it came about. So so what I, I okay, so this is a palace intrigue question I could answer in detail because there's there's really like not that much to say, <laughs> but I, I can tell you, I can tell you what I know or what I've, I've speculated, right. Since I've been trying to figure it out. Uh, I guess I could have just asked, but you know, it, it just never seemed like a, you know, there just never really seemed like a time when that was like the most interesting thing I could have done, you know, with the, uh, even before we were recording, but, um, but yeah. So on, uh, how long ago was the Super Bowl? It was like three weeks or something, three weeks ago. Do you remember? Oh, uh, yeah. I, sorry, my phone. I just blacked out for twenty seconds. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, I was gonna say, how many weeks has it been since the Super Bowl? Like two. Two. Okay. One. Two. two. Okay. Okay. So, so I guess about two weeks ago, uh, you know, because it was on Super Bowl Sunday. It was actually shortly after the game had started. Uh, like we were watching the game, or like Jed was watching the game, and I was like half watching it and multitasking. Um. I I got an email from from this guy who worked for him who works for him you know who's like doing booking, uh, asking it was like originally through my like academia.edu page, um, and then we just like emailed back and forth. But like I got this email from this guy asking if I'd be interested in coming on, and holy shit! <laughs> and I was um, the first thing I did was I googled like the guy like the the, the JRE employee because my my very first thought was that it was a prank, uh, and, Scam, yeah. you know, which is, which is funny, right? Cause I've seen people say on Twitter, it's like, Oh, clearly like Ben has been scheming for years to get on the program. It's like, no, I think uh, 
if you'd asked me three weeks ago, yeah. like I would have told you, I would have like mocked the idea that this would ever happen. Right. You know, it's like, that's, that's just like, that would have just seemed like obviously not in the cards. Uh, but, um, not yeah, For all sorts of reasons. Um, and by the way, I do think that the fact that I was invited on settles the question of whether Michael would have eventually been invited on if he'd lived because Absolutely, I, yeah. I, I think, I think he would have like a hundred percent for sure been invited on before I was, but, um, but I had, so I got the email from the booker. I Googled the guy to make sure this was real. And I remember uh, like when I, I took the laptop over to the couch to show Jen, you know, the email and she told me, you know, that I looked so stunned that she was wondering if somebody had died. Uh, you know, like, like, like it was just like, just this, <laughs> it was just like, what the fuck? What? You know? So, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I would have, I would have shit my pants. I like, I can't, I don't even know how, like I, my nerves, the level of nerves going into a, a situation like that. I, I mean, I'm assuming the whiskey helped a little bit, but I would have just Yeah, no, it, it helped yeah. a little bit. I, I also worked out that morning that helped a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it, it's for sure. Right. So I, so like there was nothing in the email that indicated how it came about. It was just like, he wants to talk to you about your book. Um, and you know, which again is also pretty funny because like I was saying to the previous caller, like, I think it's pretty obvious that if like he just wanted to like, you know, spend three hours letting me talk about Medicare for all and unions, I would have just done that and never even talked about the book, you know? But, yeah. 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 Uh, but, well, but, um, well, you got, you do remember Jordan Peterson tweeted your book out. So maybe that was, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, yes. So, so I think possible just, just to wrap this up before we take the next caller, I think the possibilities that have occurred to me, right, for how it could have come about are, one, um, he he could have seen, I know Crystal Ball mentioned my book, uh, Breaking, you know, Breaking Points, a little while ago in a segment about him, actually, so so he, he, he very well might have watched that. I know that he watches that show, at least sometimes, although he, he, maybe not as regularly as I was assuming, actually, because one thing that actually did shock me about that interview is that he didn't know about the John Deere strike, but... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had, you know, definitely covered that on that show. But in any case, um, I had so so I think that's possible. Um, and I also did like I went on the I very recently, like a week before or something. I've been on Kyle and Crystal and Friends, and again, I think he probably watches that sometimes. So so that could be it too. I think it's also possible that he um, that uh, so Dave Smith was a pretty recent guest. Um, and yeah, the libertarian. Yeah. 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 And, and like, you know, Dave Smith is, well, I mean, actually he came up in the, in the conversation, right? So he's somebody who yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've done, I've done debates with, but you know, but, but, but I also, you know, consider something of a friend at this point. And like, I have, um, you know, obviously completely disagree with him about, you know, the sort of a lot of core issues, but, um, but I, I, I don't think it's out of out of the question that like Dave Smith could have could have said something to him about me, and then the and then the last possible route, which I I had forgotten about until yesterday, is that when the book first came out, and Doug Lane was like emailing various people to try to get me on different shows to talk about it. I guess he actually did email them, and at the time we were talking about this, I vaguely remembered that, and I was like. 
he was like, oh, I could try, you know, I could try getting in touch with blah, 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 this show and that show. He's like, you know, the Joe Rogan experience. And I was kind of like, yeah, okay, Doug, you know, have fun with that, right? Like that's, you know, <laughs> like, you know, that seemed like a weird waste of time to me. But I suppose it is possible that like a year later, somebody remembered that email. Uh, so I have, I have no idea. But those are the possibilities yeah. I can think of. All right, Gabe, thanks for the call. Yeah. Let's get, uh, let's get Cynthia and try to, try to go through, you know, kind of a few minutes each so we can get these last couple of calls in here. Hey, Hi. Cynthia. Hi, can you hear me? Yep. What's up, goodbye? Um, I was, I was going to say it may have been Crystal and Kyle's show because that's how I found you. So <laughs> I guess okay. it would be a number of different things, but, um, I just want to say now that I've found you, thanks so much for your, like, debate breakdowns because like I was watching the one that I forgot who you did it with but you guys were going over the debate between Bosch and Charlie Kirk and that was yep. just like I was like oh this is like our sports like <laughs> breaking down strategy and moves and what they could have done better here but honestly that's so 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 helpful for me and I just got your book too logic for the left because nice. and this is leading into my question which is basically about uh, you know, debating mm, with mm-hmm. conservatives and kind of like how to strategize because, and one thing that I'm happy that I know you agree with is that like th- this way that people kind of dismiss like a Charlie Kirk or a Candace Owens, like, Oh, like I don't want to deal with them. Like they're just ridiculous. And it's like, I've watched certain debates with these people and I'm like, I can see how people get on board with some of the things that they're saying, or like if unchecked, you know, if there's not like a, there's not like a reasonable rebuttal that people are like, Oh really? Is that how, you know what I mean? And right, get sucked totally. into these uh, kinds of talking points. Um, and I really think that's something that the left needs to be really like, you know, like arming the troops in terms of strategy and how to mm-hmm. you know make arguments here because um, you know, I think the right's actually pretty good at their talking points, but mm-hmm. leading into that about, culture war because Mm. I really appreciated how the conversation, I mean, I honestly really wish like, I I know that wasn't exactly your intention and, you know, you kind of had to straddle different lines about like, you know, trying to make him talk about Medicare for all for three hours. Um, And I wish sometimes it was going down that route and then he would reroute to like talking about Jeff Bezos. And I was like, no, Joe, (laughs) go back. You know, like it was funny, but I was like, you know, but anyway, I really appreciated that you had the little uh, wave into the conversation about trans rights and about Mm. trans people in sports, which Mm -hmm. I've kind of, it feels like such a delicate subject Mm -hmm. um, because there are these, there are these little, yeah, these are these little issues that are kind of like, they're kind of complicated, right? And complex. And I feel like, I don't necessarily know the answer, but I feel like the left kind of has this tendency to want to avoid them completely and go down this like complete class reductionist route because Mm -hmm. we're straddling this line between like, what if someone in a debate is like, are you pro- trans people you know in sports or whatever and if you say no then suddenly you're anti-trans but if you say yes then you know what i mean like you're not kind of assessing the nuances of the issue so i mean like how do we particular especially in debate you know in debate with conservatives because i also listened to the breakdown that you had with anna kasparian about her debate with Mm -hmm. uh, ben shapiro and how it's like we don't want to get sucked in to the culture war of it all and not, you know, focus on the things that we think matter per our agenda, but we also don't necessarily want to completely just 
oh, that doesn't matter. That's ridiculous culture war stuff. Because I think, honestly, I think these things do matter. And I think Mm -hmm. that the right, perhaps there's a way that we can just point out the the undercurrent of cruelty that I think Mm -hmm. is what we're really reacting to with regard to the right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, are these things you've been thinking about as much as I've been thinking about them? Yeah, I mean, I have been thinking about, yeah, I think everything that you've been saying a fair amount, right? So, um, and... I mean, I would be, I would be happiest as far as the trans stuff goes to just never have to think about like the hardest edge cases, right? You know, right, be, right. You know, like like I would rather just have that part of the conversation be entirely about like the sort of core easy stuff about you know employment and housing and you know various kinds mm-hmm. of like things that like not like you know that non-discrimination law in Canada that Jordan Peterson freaked out about like the most of the stuff, like most of the stuff that it was about was all that. Right. Right. Uh, and, and so I'd be happiest to like, just talk about that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, okay. So first of all, I completely agree with you that the thing to emphasize is, is the, the cruelty, right. That the, that, um, cause that's really what you can, I feel like that's, mm-hmm. And I feel like the conservatives like to do this, like, well, these are just the facts and these, and it's like, no, everyone, I know this is like an intuitive based argument, but it's like, you can feel it, right? You can feel the like trans, you know, this is child abuse, what's going on in Texas. (laughs) You can feel where it's coming from. And it's hard to like point that out because I guess would that be an intuitive based argument? Be like, I know what you're trying to do, but I can't necessarily prove it. Yeah, I mean, I think that you can certainly point out how, like, how cruel it is, like, in the Texas case. I'm actually uh, writing an article for Jacobin about the Texas, uh, I guess it's not a law, but, you know, like, the the governor's thing in Texas, Um, you know, for, that's, I'm hoping to finish up tonight, which is going to get into this a little bit. I think, I think you can say, look, I mean, just, it is... You know, I, I think in a sense you don't even need to do mind reading. Like, like in that case, in it's particular, bad faith. You can feel bad faith, right? Yeah, I think you could feel bad faith, and you could also just say, "Look, this is just in really simple human terms, this is a really mean thing to do to somebody, right?" That, that, yeah. that like, you know, you wouldn't. Um, I mean, this is actually the, a point I made on JRE. You know, when we we're, you know, we we're we we're talking, you know, very briefly about the youth transition issue, and I kind of said, like, um, you know, that okay, we can argue about exactly how much medical gatekeeping should be required. And I'm not going to deny that there are, you know, that there are things that make this a messy thing to like navigate the like specifics, but mm-hmm. that's like a horror of like, that's like a horrifically traumatizing thing to put somebody through right. that, that they would have, they would have like, you're not letting somebody get puberty blockers. So they're, they're, they're going through what, from their perspective is the wrong puberty, right? Like, like right. that's, which I think anybody should be able to understand you know, like, like, I don't think you have to be trans to, to get that. Right. Cause I mean, I think you could just like, like on a very, you know, like really basic human, you know, kind of on PC level. Right. I mean, like, I think mm-hmm. just, just, just to sort of like, look, I mean, just, you know, let's, I can, you know, if, uh, if you, you know, if, if you somehow there's some like science fiction horror movie thing that happened to you where you just physically transformed into the other gender, how would you feel about that? Right. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you could, if you could understand that that would be a horrifying thing to, you know, to go through, right? Like then, mm-hmm. then you should get that, like, if you're trying to not say like, oh, 
like, here's exactly, you know, whatever, how many months of counseling or whatever to, to make sure, you know, that they, you know, like, um, that, you know, you're not going to get buyer's remorse or whatever, like that they, that's, that's like a, a conversation that reasonably people could have. But I mean, if you're just flat out forbidding people, you know, from doing this, okay. uh, you know, I'd like saying, you know, I mean, the point I made in the, in the Joe Rogan conversation was because he'd, he'd had the analogy about getting a tattoo. And I was like, okay, but like, you can wait to get a tattoo until you're older and you'll be fine. Right. That's not going to traumatize you. you know? So, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think you can point out that's a really mean thing to do to people. And I think you can, um, I mean, I don't know the angle that I'm going for for the Jacobin article is just that it's like incredibly hypocritical given the like constantly stated values that these people have in other circumstances. Okay, that's like, what I was going to say. Is is that a specific point that can that we can like a hole that we can find? Because something that I thought about yesterday was like, so you're for the state interfering into people's lives and telling like, is that a legitimate point? You know what no, I mean? I think it's a very legitimate point. I mean, this is because like, especially for your moral values or whatever, or for your religious values. So you, okay. So you agree that you think the state should interfere. You know what I mean? To- to- totally. And like, and look, what, why are like in most circumstances, conservatives would say we shouldn't like, you know, we shouldn't mess with like families and how people raise children and all that stuff. And now they're saying, well, if the, you know, the, the children and the parents have talked about it and they agree to let the kid do it, you know, you're still going to say no. Yeah. Like, by, uh, is that a kind of by your own logic kind of? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it is. And of course, there's always like, I mean, there is a limit to how far the sort of by your own logic stuff could go because, uh-huh. um, because I think that if all, you know, I think sometimes we get trapped into like leaning on that too hard that and saying like, oh, see, you know, you're, you're being, you know, like if all you're doing is pointing out that people are being inconsistent, then one, yeah. I think sometimes that's a crutch for us not ever having to actually spell out what we think should happen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because like we can to win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that could be a way of just saying like. Dunk. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. And, and sometimes I do see people using it that way as a crutch. So they don't have to say like, oh, here's what I actually think the right answer to this problem is. Instead, I could just say like the thing that you're saying about it is inconsistent yeah. with something else you've said and then just sort of treat it as if I have said what the right answer is. And I obviously don't think you should do that. And, and also, also, of course, if you think people are saying two, you know, two things that are inconsistent, that means they can't be wrong. That can't, they can't be right about both of them, but mm-hmm. you haven't quite got into the part about like which part they should give up. Right. You know, that, uh, <laughs> and so, so I do, again, I don't want to lean too hard on it, but I think it's a point worth making. I think that's like worth a Jacobin article to be like, come on guys, which is it right. You know, like, like, do mm-hmm. you, uh, do you really believe in, in this sort of libertarian non-interference in like families or, or not? Right. Cause it right. seems like, it seems like when the rubber hits the road, it's not, but but I do just want to really briefly address uh, the the la- the um, I guess kind of the middle part of what you uh, what you said about this about culture war and class reductionism and all of that stuff because mm-hmm. uh, that I've certainly spent a lot of time thinking about and um, and I think it's tricky be- because I, gu- I guess this like I don't know if this could be a super satisfying answer but I'll just like real quick lay down like this the sort of things that I've thought about it which are one, I do think that for a variety of reasons, it does make sense to put most of the emphasis on like material redistribution, like yeah. not, not because it's the only thing that matters, but because one, 
in a lot of ways, that's the strategy for dealing with a lot of other things that matter, right? You know, like, mm-hmm. like, 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 um, you know, people, you know, like, they like, you know, think about people who like stay in like, you know, bad or abusive relationships because mm-hmm. like they, they, they can't, like, they just don't have the financial resources to strike out on their own. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, that's like an obvious case or like, um, or just the fact that like, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of what people are pointing to when they use phrases like structural racism mm-hmm. is, is just the disproportionate impact of, of poverty because there's disproportionate poverty because of America's racial history. Right. And, and so like the solution to that is, is about material redistribution and mm-hmm. both as a matter of justice and as a matter of strategy. I mean, that's only going to happen if it's, if it's universal. So I, I think, so I think it makes sense in that like sort of strategic way that like, I think the I think the material stuff can can help um, with a variety of other things that we care about, mm-hmm. uh, and and I also think that, um, but I also think there's like a sort of so that's like a sort of strategy for dealing with the problems. But I also think there's like a political strategy element to it, which is that um, I think that a lot of cultural issues, like I mean, the two we've been you know, the two we were just kind of talking about, right, about about women's sports and, and youth transition. Like, obviously, I have, like, the sort of maximalist conservative views on those issues, I think, are morally abhorrent, right, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, what exactly is the, you know, like, uh, exactly how much, you know, like... Um, you know, you know, like we're exactly what the, should be the hormone requirements for participating in some sports. Like, I don't know, right? Like, I have, I, I mean, there it is. There is some legitimate messiness around the edges there, okay. and um, and so partially because of that, and partially just because for a lot of reasons, right? Stuff like that is very emotionally laden, you know. Because I mean, obviously, like there are some people who have a lot at stake and there's some people who don't actually have a lot of stake, but they think they do because like it sort of brushes up against other things they care about. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess, so I, I think that the more time you spend arguing about stuff like that, the more you're going to be um, like sort of dealing with something that's going to be a lot closer to 50, 50 polarization. Whereas mm-hmm. like the more time you can spend on here's how a left program would actually materially help the vast majority of the population, you know, yeah. that, that, that the more sort of a broader base you're, you're appealing to. And I actually think there's some historical evidence that doing that is going to be the best way to, um, to sort of move people in terms mm-hmm. of like, in terms of sort of regressive attitudes they might have towards any, any number of other things, mm-hmm. because I think that some of those conservative cultural appeals are most effective when people are, um, you know, like, like, I think that like, you know, you sort of spend your time worried about, you know, how they're trying to teach our kids CRT or whatever, right? You know, mm-hmm. when like you haven't been getting, give, you know, I mean, I know this is an oversimplification. I know that in a lot of cases, we actually are talking about like upper middle class parents there, but like, you know, crudely, right? Like, I think there are a lot of like right wing culture war things that are a lot easier to appeal to people when we haven't given them something better to get excited about. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and I think there is a, like, I I also think, I, I don't know, I, I should, um, this would be like 10 minutes, so I, I probably shouldn't go too much, you know, <laughs> get too much into this. But I also think there is like a big issue here that we don't spend enough time thinking about, about how, like, think about how, like, the 2020 election, like, Bernie Sanders was winning everything. He was doing, like, shockingly well. It looked like he was going to cruise to, you know, the debate that, like, mainstream commentators were having was... uh 
Well, he'll obviously show up at the convention with at least a plurality, but if he doesn't have an outright majority, it's okay to block him. You know, like that, that was the debate people were having. And then it crashed and burned where in South Carolina. Uh, and or you think about like the biggest labor defeat of like the last like year and a half, which was which was the Amazon warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, or just think about the fact that like all of the, you know, even now that it's bigger than it was, right? All of the, so, you know, the you know, so-called squad, right? All of the uh, Democratic socialists have been elected to Congress are from like deep blue districts. Mm-hmm. I do think that we have a problem trying to figure out how to like spread our message in culturally conservative parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And um, now if somebody says the solution to that problem is you should just like throw, throw people under the bus, you should like stop, you know, you should like not advocate for, you know, trans rights or anything like yeah. that. Then, then I think that's morally abhorrent. I wouldn't do that. Right. But, yeah. um, but I, I think th- strategy, right? Like thinking yeah. very carefully about how to approach and, and rhetoric exactly. to use. Exactly. Right. Which is why like, Kind of to take it back to how to frame it. Like I'm a writer, so I'm always like storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like how do you, I I mean, I know this sounds kind of like people are kind of soul sucky about this, but truly I feel like I have some marketing experience. And it's like, really, it's like, how do you frame the narrative strategically? Right. Like it's all about the framing. And I think just before I just want to say, I think the problem is like the framing right now has been kind of the broad left and now the lefties don't know what to do with it and they have to do something. But the general framing, I feel like is like, you're bad, you're a bigot, you're, you know, this, we're the good moral people. We care about Uh trans rights. And it's like, how do, yeah, how do we carry those values of like we want like yeah our totally, general totally. value is compassion and caring about people and not being cruel but like yeah how can we frame it rhetorically speaking to appeal yeah difficult yeah, yeah exactly right so so i think that so like last uh you know last fall i did a debate with with charlie kirk and that was obviously like an actual debate right not like what was going on joe rogan but mm-hmm. even there I was trying to think about like, okay, I could do the thing that leftists do way too much in debates, which is just try to like, just sort of try to do owns that'll like make people who already like you slow clap. Yeah. But I don't, I don't want to do that. Right. I don't think that's a good, I don't think that's a good use of that opportunity. Right. What I want to do is try to find ways that like might at least plant some seeds in the heads of people who are, you know, probably not hardcore Charlie Kirk fans. You're probably not going to get those people, but like, uh, you know, but people who might have like one toe in Charlie Kirk world, right. You know, who might be like, who might take him seriously, but be persuadable. Kind of like Joe Rogan on the conservative side. Like, I I don't have a name for it yet, but like the kind of the, the, you know, like the Obama Trump, Bernie Trump kind of like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, but you can appeal to certain aspects of their working class, you know, kind exactly. of sensibilities, but may, they may lean a little bit socially conservative, but they're not super hardcore Charlie Kirk. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, how do you appeal to people like that? And so I was even with even with that, I was trying to do that. And what, what I was trying to do with this, I think, really was just to kind of, you know, I don't know, maybe this sounds pretentious, but I mean, just kind of model how I think it's most useful to approach people like that, like in real life, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, cause, cause this is something that I wonder about, right? Cause I know one of the big like left criticisms of it is that I didn't, you know, push back enough. And what, and I feel like what people really mean by push back is that like, 
I said what I th- thought and like sort of like got in a lot of the points about like, yeah, but here's why I see this differently or whatever, mm-hmm. but I didn't do it in like a confrontational way, but I don't, I don't see what the value of doing it in a confrontational way in that, in that context would be, right? Like, I don't, right. I don't understand what the strategic benefit of that would be. It seems to me like what I always wonder about when people talk like this is like, okay, but don't you people have like cousins who, who are like, you know, who you have at least as much of a divergence of worldview with as, as you do with Joe Rogan, right? right. Like, like uh, how do you talk to them? Right. Like, right. like, do you just like yell at them uh, about how they're bad people? And, and then well, some people do. But... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, some, some people really do. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I actually think there's like way too much of that in a sort of like real life way that like, Oh yeah. I just never talked to my cousin, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause, cause, cause we got too bad at each other. But what I'd hope people do would do, right with with their their cousin is that you just like you know talk to them like person and be like okay yeah no that's interesting i mean i guess i see things differently you know what i think is blah 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 like and it and it just seems like in that context that's what's most likely to um to be effective at least that's the that's the calculation but anyway i really like talking to you you said you were a, a writer is there any place that people can see your stuff no i <laughs> i am i am a writer for a celebrity news entertainment website i just moved to oh new- that's cool well it's cool but like I that's really, fun i don't know that's, it's okay. fun but i've become way more interested in politics in the past like two years and i really want to pivot to that world but i have you know like student loans from grad school i went to school for like, creative <laughs> writing so I would really love to like, you know, go to journalism school, but I'm also like, I don't want to take out any more loans. So I'm just kind of trying to find a way to like, how do I literally jump from writing an article that I've written about like Kim Kardashian to like talking about working class <laughs> politics? So it's good right. to connect and perhaps, you know, well, there's some way that I can yeah. show an argument, you know, for a freelance pitch or something and try to get that going. But yeah, this is definitely what I'm interested in. So thank you so much for All right. Jen. Thanks. Thank you, Cynthia. I look forward to in the future when she's uh, paid off her loans and uh, she switched from uh, writing about, uh, you know, writing about Kim Kardashian to writing about Medicare for All. Then we should all check out her work in Jacobin. All right, uh, Jeremy, it's going to have to be quick, but I, I did not want to. I did not want to not take your call. Uh, thanks, Ben, and I, I hope that you have a chance to reflect on this uh, appearance on Joe Rogan as a kind of a high point. Um, I think in the influencer world, it's often off to the next thing and it, we fail to appreciate, you know, a, a big deal when it comes along. But and this kind of goes to the question I'm interested in asking you. And it's it might be a little personal and a little off sure. the sort of topic of strategy, Go because one it. of the things that I noticed that really um, is a feature of lots of the people that Joe Rogan has on in terms of influencers is that they're really convinced that they have something important to offer. So they're really uh-huh. certain of their little piece of the world and they want to tell, share with the world, you know, this, this, this little wisdom, this little uh, uh, nugget, this little idea. And I see, I see that in your sort of left, uh, uh, leftist politics, this is, this is your niche if we want to frame it in marketing terms. But yeah. here's another piece of your uh, identity that I wonder if it might be at odds with this because mm-hmm. you have sophisticated philosophical training and I can only speak for my sort of background as a philosopher. Mm-hmm. One of the things that philosophical training has done for me is really make me a lot less certain about my positions <laughs> than I would like to be. Mm-hmm. And so it, I, I'm wondering how you sort of 
deal with that sort of maybe on a personal psychological level, because in order to be an influencer, you have to come uh, present yourself to the world as certain and as having something important to contribute. And yet I do think that you're an, uh, and I've read your, your work, both your, your, uh, you know, more philosophical work as well as, as your popular work. Uh, but I, I do get the sense that you're thoughtful and kind of critical even of your own views. And so I wonder if maybe you could talk for a minute about sure. how, you, how you kind of navigate that. Um, and, you know, this is what keeps a lot of academics out of uh, the sort of Twitter sphere or influence sphere um, because they just aren't that sure about the things that they're committed to. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, I think that I think that part of the short answer to that is that it is certainly true that something that philosophical training can do for you is to make you much more aware of all the things that you might be wrong about uh, and all the ways that you could be wrong about something, right? That that's, that is, there's no, um, no doubt about that. Uh, that said, I mean, I think, I think some, you know, at least in my case, right? I mean, I think some fairly strong commitments, you know, uh, in certain areas survive that, right? Like in other words, if we were, if the question is like, what's the, um, I mean, just, just crudely, like, I mean, if the question is like, what's the right theory of how proper names refer to objects, then I could certainly not do like a strident debate about that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no one could. You know, uh, and because um, like, all I could do is like, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, you know, because like Kripke says this, but on the other hand, you know, there's this example and like, I don't, I don't know what to think about that. And and I actually often do like even in academic context, I mean, never mind this sort of public political stuff. Um, like even when I was thinking about writing, like um, you know, I mean, like back when I was like thinking about you know my dissertation, you know, what to do for my dissertation and things like that. Like I often felt like philosophy was divided between like you know a sort of whatever percentage of stuff that what I thought about was just sort of boring and standard and whatever percentage of stuff that I just had no idea, you know, sure, what, sure. you know, what, what I thought about. Uh, and, and there is a lot of, you know, and there's a lot of that, right. I mean, like, and this has even come up a few times, right. Like it's sort of where we've done more like exploratory philosophy things on, on YouTube uh, where I remember I was doing something with, with Jen and, uh, and, and Ryan Lake once where uh, we were talking about the, the, you know, Newcomb's puzzle, you know, the, uh, one box or two box and mm. like they were, they were both prepared to just, I mean, like in a sort of fun way. Right. You know, but they were both prepared to like stridently argue for, you know, what they thought was the right answer. It's like, I don't know. I had a, I, I spent, <laughs> you know, I've spent so much time in classrooms trying to get students to see the case, to see the case for whichever one they don't think that right. like at, the, at this point, at this point, I actually don't know. But um, like, fortunately, like, should we have Medicare for all or, or, uh, or, or should we, you know, should we be, you know, risking world war three by, you know, by setting up a no fly zone in the Ukraine uh, or, uh, or should, uh, you know, should, should workers, you know, have more power over their lives during the time that, you know, that they're at work or, you know, or, or, sh you know, like uh, stuff like that, I feel very sure about, right. In other words, sure. I think that, I think there are certain kinds of like, core moral commitments that I think it is possible to like very aggressively argue for at the same time that like 
even on subjects related to them, you could have more reflective moments where, you know, you're like, okay, what's the, um, uh, you know, like, okay, like, like, I guess here's like an easy example. Like there, there are certain things that people mean by calling themselves materialists that like I would wholeheartedly sign on to. And I've used that self-description public many times and I will continue to do so many times. But like when I'm doing this, this class, which I actually have to get off to, to get to uh, at the, um, but I've been doing this, this Zoom class on, on Gia Cohen's book on Marxist theory of history. And when I'm doing that class, like it's all like, yeah, I don't know, there's, there's this big problem here. And there are like six things that people could think, but you know, you know, all of them have problems and you know, I, I don't know, man, it's hard. Right. You know, and yeah. I, I, I just think, I just think context matters. Right. You know, like, like and that you could do. And I think that if you are somewhat um, intentional about picking like, you know, kind of picking your battles for the stuff that you do want to argue about. So you could say like, look, such and such is like a really hard issue and, 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 you know, reasonable people can disagree about it, but whatever you think about that, right. Here's the, here's the sort of where the rubber meets the road issue. And I, I am going to make a strident argument for that. So I, I think that's, and, but even there, I mean, I do think that the philosophical training helps because um, it can, it, it can, help you understand a little bit more like how people can come to different conclusions and how you can, you know, I mean, obviously if you're like doing a public debate with a libertarian, you're not going to like address every single, you know, like, uh, sure. you know, like, like there are going to be, you know, there are going to be like interested libertarian arguments. They're going to be left on the table at the end of it. Right. You know, but like you can, I think that it probably better enables you to at least go in depth on, on like a lot of what makes like just sort of a normal libertarian tick and like what those arguments look like and, uh, and then, and then what, um, you know, how those, you know, how those could be addressed. So anyway, that, that's my best stab at it. But it's a really good question. I, I think it's something, uh, yeah, I, I think obviously, I don't know. I don't know how interesting it is to everybody else, but it's super duper interesting to me. So, uh, so thank you for, for giving me a chance to, uh, to do a minute on that. And, uh, with that, uh, it is this whole conversation has been so interesting today that I went for like 15 minutes longer than I was intended to. So I am going to cut it there. Uh, if if anybody you know left any denunciations on the table, you could you could always do it. You know, the next episode, which is probably going to be on Tuesday. Otherwise, I'll see people then. Left is best.